Welcome to The Pension Blueprint. I am your host, Jackie D'Souza. Money can't buy you happiness, but a stable income in retirement can contribute to your good health and well-being and eliminate deep poverty among older Canadians. Today, I'm joined by two guests, Dr. Samir Sinha, the Director of Geriatrics at Sinai Health and University Health Network, and also the Director of Health Policy Research at the National Institute on Aging, as well as Celine Chiavetti, Executive Vice President and Head of Pensions at OMERS. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. It's wonderful to have you here today. So, Celine, I'm going to start with you first. Um, we know that the OMERS member community includes nearly 600,000 members now across Ontario, and our demographics are changing. Our oldest member is 108 years old. Um, what impact do pension plans like OMERS have on an aging community? It's a great question. Um, and yes, it's hard to believe that our oldest member today is 108 years old, our youngest is 14. And so you can see sort of the diversity across um, all of that. At Omers, I mean, we've been around since the 1960s. We've always really understood the importance that pension plans like us have on uh, on our members. Our members are public sector employees um, in the municipal and school board sector predominantly. Um, and so we know the positive impact it has on them when they go to retire. Um, what's interesting now is the fact that the society is aging. And so if we look across Canada, I think I read somewhere that we have more individuals over the age of 65 than we have under the age of 14. So that's a really important and big stat. And so if you think about as those individuals are leaving the workforce um, and looking to retirement, how are they going to retire? Is retirement attainable? Um, and our overall system in Canada works, I think, um, when all of the pillars work well together. And so, yes, you've, you know, we're very, very fortunate in Canada that we do have access to government-sponsored plans, CPP and old age security. But in addition to that, having access to employer-sponsored pension plans like OMERS um, to supplement all of that so that individuals at that point in their life know that they have access to secure and stable income every single month and they're not going to outlive it. Um, that to me is the biggest risk is that if I'm an individual relying solely on my savings, at what point in time might I outlive? Um, and so we think that these types of plans are the game changer. It really is the difference between having a retirement that you can look forward to um, and that is attainable versus more stress and worry about can I actually afford to stop working? Okay, now we're going to move in a little bit into some research that OMERS released last year from the Canadian Centre for Economic Analysis on the social value of the OMERS plan. And also, uh, Dr. Sinha, you and your team at the National Institute on Aging um, did some research on how a secure and stable income in retirement has a positive impact on physical and mental health. So why is this research? important to OMERS and our team in uh, in pensions? I think it's really important that we need to look at these things because as we start thinking about members living to 108 years of age, the question is, you know, what is the value of, uh, of stable and secure income? Does it really make a difference? Because right now, you know, I think as Celine mentioned, um, a lot of Canadians, you know, depending on kind of what your arrangement, you could be in very, very different situations. We all benefit from having public pensions like the Canada Pension Plan, Old Age Security, which give you stable and secure income, but not adequate income as well. So that's why Celine was saying we built our retirement income system with the idea that you'd have a workplace 
pension plans or workplace benefits, but also private savings. But one thing we do know is we know a lot of Canadians are not adequately saving on the side in terms of saving for retirement, especially with cost of living these days. So some people are only living with that additional benefit of a workplace pension plan. But right now, that could be different. You might have what we call a defined contribution plan, which just gives you a lump sum. So you retire, you get a bag of money and good luck, sort it out. Or the other option is we know that Omer's offers, for example, is a defined benefit plan. You know what you're going to be getting until you go, for example. And so how does that make people feel? And so our research has really shown that, of course, having stable and secure income is helpful. It's reliable, but it also really impacts on something that we found called economic security. Because it's that it's that feeling that if you're worried, if you're worried at night that I might outlive my savings or do I have enough money, these things can create really inherent fears that can start at an early age. It may be real, it may be unreal, sometimes we're rational about how much money we have, but we know that more people who don't have a stable and secure source of income, especially one that's adequate, you know, can have a lot more stress and that can negatively impact your health and well-being. So we have really good evidence, you know, showing that that is something that can be beneficial when you have these sources of income that are stable and secure. And that's why it's important to understand that because it helps allow us from a policy perspective to say, how do we take other sources of income and and maybe mimic, you know, kind of things? And how do we promote better access to things like defined benefit pension plans and other mechanisms that allow more Canadians to have a more stable, secure an adequate income. What we found when we actually went out with Kensia and did the research was exactly that linkage that our members, individuals who are part of a pension plan like Omer's were more than 50% more likely to say that they were happier with their life. And what we know is that they're more charitable. They then go out into their communities more and they donate more, they participate more, they rely less on government sources. Um, and so I think it all makes sense intuitively. And I think that pension plans like Omer's and others like us have a responsibility to have these conversations. I think the research that you're doing at the NIA is so important because we need to share this information. We need to get it out there. We've got a platform to do it. Um, and it's more important now than ever, just given the demographic shifts that you've spoken about. Yeah. And Dr. Sinha, as part of the research you released, you you talk about this concept of aging in the right place. What what does that mean? I think for so many of us, we, we've, we've heard the term aging in place. We know that when we did a survey back um, in 2020, we asked Canadians, where they want to, where do they want to live? Like when, when they are older, where do they want to spend the rest of their lives? And nearly a hundred percent of Canadians 65 and older said they want to stay healthy and independent in their own homes for as long as possible. So that's what I hear from all of my patients. You know, if you go on the street, you ask people, where do you want to age? People say my own home. That's how they identify. That's their place. That's where they chose to live. So why would they want to move anywhere else? The problem is, is that that reality or the reality of being able to age in place becomes pretty unrealistic when you might not have um, the right access to services and supports, um, or you can even afford to actually be able to remain in that place. And so all of a sudden, that notion of aging in place, while it's what people want, it doesn't become possible, especially when income and other factors get mixed in. So we, we've reframed this idea. We now call it aging in the right place in a few different reasons. One is we want to say we want to really support people to age in the right place for them. Um, and that can be 
where they want to be. How do we enable that with the right supports of say home and community support services, supports for family caregivers, thinking about the importance of combating social isolation and loneliness, making sure people can stay healthy and well by preventing um, uh, chronic illnesses, for example, but also this final piece about making sure you have the finances, the adequate housing, um, the adequate services you need uh, that are non-health related that allow you to be able to not only live in your preferred place, but also to thrive in that preferred place as well. Thanks for that. And uh, Dr. Sinna, when we when we talk to you, you're a geriatrician. And when you hear that, you know, our oldest member being 108 years old and, and that our entire member community is aging. So for you and, you know, everyone is living longer at, at this point in time, what comes to mind about resources and how society can actually prepare for this aging group of people? Yeah, so I, I get excited when I hear that the oldest member um, of the OMERS program, if you will, is 108 years of age. I think that's something to celebrate and and really it speaks to the value that kind of the OMERS pension actually has um, in an aging population, in an aging society. Because let me give you some numbers to put this in perspective. If we were having this conversation back in 1900, the average life expectancy of a Canadian was 51 years of age. When OMERS was actually created, um, back in the late 60s when we created Medicare in our country uh, as well. The average Canadian was 27 years of age and most of us didn't live beyond our 60s. So CPP, old age security, even an OMERS program at that time, it's like, hey, you're probably not going to live till 108, right? You know, we never actually planned that we would age this well and this long. But now if you're born today in our country, we expect that if you make it to 65, you have about 22 years of life expectancy ahead of you. That's an increase even over the last few decades. And we know that 17 of those years are going to be in relatively good health. That's the good news. So people are, should expect that they're going to be living longer than they probably are, um, that were, that they were expecting or planning when they started working. The question is, how do you make sure that that retirement period, whatever you start that period is financially secure? Because the biggest challenge to aging well is making sure that you have the funds not only to exist, but frankly, to live and doing that without that fear that, oh, Oh, will I outlive uh, my savings? And then what happens if I actually reach that dreadful point? Do you know that centenarians are the fastest growing demographic in Canadian society today? Uh, it's just amazing when you actually realize, you know, we have more older Canadians and younger mm-hmm. Canadians. We have a rapidly aging demographic, mm-hmm. but the fastest growing segments is that population 85 and older, that population 100 and older. So again, it's something that we should celebrate, but something we should be prepared for as well. I agree totally. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great concept. And, and Celine, Dr. Sinha, you know, mentioned having that stable and secure retirement. And I know with an OMERS pension, it's a, it's paid for life, right? So can you talk a little bit more about that and how we, we pay out those pensions and also we have what's called survivor benefits? Yeah, it's, you know, one of the most predominant things about being, having access to a defined benefit pension plan is again, you're never going to outlive your savings. You can still budget, you can still live your life. Um, you have less of a burden on others. I don't know. I mean, I think in my mind, it's even sort of trying to think about the linkage that that then has on your own family members. And so, 
you know, I, you know, am in the situation where I've got, you know, children that are starting to, you know, growing up and I also have elderly parents. And when you're stuck in the middle of those things and you're thinking about, you know, how do you help everybody? It does start to take a toll. I'm, you know, fortunate that I have access to, to this type of a pension plan. Uh, my parents don't. My parents rely on CPP and old age security and their own savings. And so I'm, you know, with them day in and sort of helping them budget. Um, survivor benefits, again, another really important uh, thing. What we know is that, um, you know, right now women tend to live longer than men. We have a lot of survivor benefits um, that we're paying out. And again, they don't need to worry that they are going to lose their homes um, if their if they're spouse who happened to be uh, the person with a pension um, passes away. And so again, I think the impact that it has on society, I know we've put out the term social infrastructure. I've talked a little bit about that in the past, and I know everyone sort of has a different definition of what that means. But to me, that means, you know, the the things that we do, the services, the places, the tools that we provide um, to help individuals improve their livelihoods um, that ultimately then begins to impact communities and society in a positive way. Um, and I think pension plans are part of that structure and we need to get out there and have that conversation um, and ideally have more access to these types of plans for all citizens and all individuals across Canada. That's great. And, and Dr. Sinha, have you heard that term before, social infrastructure? And, and do you use it when you're speaking about um, healthy outcomes for older adults? Well, I started to after I met Celine, because I know we when she mentioned this term, I said, wow, that's just such a more elegant way of talking about all those elements that fit into that idea of aging in the right place, right? Because you think about how it's not just about staying healthy and well, it's not just about having access to the right services that you might need, but it's also making sure that you have money for options. Again, how do we need to think about financial security, health and well-being and so social well-being together, because these are all interconnected concepts. And when we think about them separately, I think we miss kind of an opportunity to fi find out why, you know, why these systems were created the way they were, why there are pension plans that work this way, that create that stable and secure source of income that you will never outlive versus kind of other things, which may be convenient for some, but I don't think are necessarily convenient for the people who are receiving them ultimately in the end, unless they can convert them into something that looks like an Omer's pension as well. Right. So I, I'd like to go back to the to the research that you've done on uh, on health outcomes. Um, we know that financial stability is is related to positive health outcomes and better health outcomes um, for more people in Ontario means a healthier society. So what role does the pensions industry play in creating financial stability for Ontarians? I mean, we've covered it a little bit, but there's more than than the the, the paycheck that that comes with it. Yeah, it's it's that having that financial stability. For example, I think in many respects creates an enormous peace of mind. Um, so Celine was giving a great example about how, um, you know, especially when you're living in an intergenerational family, for example, uh, you know, if you are caring for somebody, for example, who has a defined benefit pension, and you're now starting to think about future costs, it's, it's nice to know that wow, my mom isn't going to run out of money. For example, my dad isn't going to run out of money. They actually have this source of income coming in. It helps me plan. It helps us think about the future. I have so many conversations in my office every day from families who tell me we just don't have enough money in the bank. Like mom and dad saved, but we didn't realize that, you know, 24 hour care, you know, for a month, for example, could be up to $25,000 a month. We don't actually have adequate home and community or long-term care services because it's not 
enshrined under our Canada Health Act. So people start getting a rude awakening when they realize, wait a minute, oh, so physician services are covered, hospital services are covered, but if I have to go into a nursing home and I want a private room, for example, in Ontario, that's $3,300 a month. But wait a minute, you know, but mom's still living at home and dad needs this cost. Where are we going to find that money? So all of a sudden, I, I, I find myself having lots of conversations as a geriatrician with families about thinking about finances, like playing the role of financial planner sometimes and having horrendous conversations sometimes when family members say, I, I just, you know, you know, if mom actually lives a little bit longer and they say, please don't, please don't think badly of me saying this, but I just don't know how she can afford to do that and if it'll happen. And seeing families in that level of distress, having an older patient who's really worried about the finances so that they almost starve themselves or go without because they're trying to stretch those dollars longer. How is that a way to live, you know, those golden years, your, your final years? If you can retire with that, level of economic security, that was the number one thing our research found is that peace of mind can significantly improve your mental health outcomes, but also your health outcomes. Because we know if you're stressed about these things, that can contribute to physical problems like heart disease and other things. So again, if we can do something in a really smart way that gives people economic security, gives them that stability, then that's really what our research is showing can really lead to why we call the why we call the report healthy outcomes. Yeah. And that's, that's so important. So Celine and Dr. Sinha, you know, if I were to revisit this conversation in, in 10 years, what do you think will have happened since? What do you hope will have changed for, for the better? Maybe Celine, if you can, you can start us off. So I think if you are fortunate enough to have access to a pension plan the way our OMERS members do, I think, number one, you've got a responsibility to learn about it, understand what it means to you and make those decisions early on in your career that will help you. Um, I think if you don't have one and you're in, your, you're in part of your working career, you should start to ask questions about why you don't have access to one. And so talk to your employers. Let's try and see if we can start a movement and make this a really important um, you know, employer um, issue. Um, I think the other aspect I would say is ideally public policy changes so that we are never in a situation like it's heartbreaking to hear, um, you know, that our elderly are going through this. And so I don't, you know, the hope is that no one is ever in a situation where they are starving themselves because they don't have access to resources um, in their older years. Um, and so my hope is that we just start to see some systemic changes um, that allows more for our for our elderly, more access to these types of well-governed, well-defined pension plans. That's a, that's a great point. And Dr. Sinha, what about you in, in 10 years time? What do you think? It will, do you think there will have been changes? Because I know as part of your research, you, you are making some policy recommendations. Absolutely. So um, my goal is that in 10 years that we're going to have this sorted out and figured out. Um, because again, we created and, you know, a pension system, uh, you know, as a country, you know, years ago, that's, that's the envy of many countries around the world. And it made perfect sense at that time. But now we're coming to a reality where people are living far longer than we ever expected. And we're also seeing with inflation and other changes in costs, people are really struggling now to be able to 
you know, have their own private savings, for example. We have a number of pension systems that have moved away from this kind of idea of a defined benefit to defined contribution, which, again, may have been convenient for some, but doesn't necessarily become beneficial for the beneficiaries. And so this is that chance where we have to have that reckoning because right now we're on the brink of becoming a super aged nation where one in five of us is going to be 65 or better. And within 10 years, one in four of us is going to be 65 or better. So we are rapidly aging as a society. And I think as people are really thinking about just the affordability crisis that they might be living as a younger person, our number one recommendation, our report is that we really improve financial literacy and making sure that people young and old appreciate how they need to think about their future lives. But then also, more importantly, we can't afford not to actually fix these systems because when we don't actually um, make sure that older people can themselves be financially secure to face the needs such as long-term care costs or costs of living as they age, who ends up paying? We all do. As a society, we end up picking the cost when these people end up living in hospitals or prematurely institutionalized in a government-funded long-term care home. We all pay the cost. That's why, in my view, we need to fix this. Um, the imperative is now, and I think, you know, it's great that Omer's, for example, is putting efforts into do the research, um, understand the science, you know, figure out what is right to do um, so that, you know, with organizations like the NIA, we can really make it very clear what governments need to do to support all of us as Canadians to age in the right place and age well as a society. Thank you, Celine, and thank you, Dr. Sinha, for joining us today. We've learned so much from both of you and talking to our members. If you're interested in, in reading the NIA's research on healthy outcomes, you can go to the OMERS website, omers.com, or you can go to the NIA website, and you can learn a lot from that, uh, that research. I'm Jackie D'Souza, and this has been The Pension Blueprint. 